echo. Okay, welcome to the Queen Anne's County Commissioner's meeting. This is a public meeting that is being aired live on our local cable television station, QAC-TV7. These media broadcasts provide county citizens an opportunity to watch and review our public sessions. To comply with the governor's proclamation declaring a state of emergency in Maryland to minimize the person-to-person -person spread of COVID-19, we ask that citizens stay home and watch the county commissioner's meeting live on our QAC website at www.qac.org live, or you may tune in to QAC TV's television channel on Atlantic Broadband Cable on channel 7 or channel 77. To maintain social distancing, seating will be restricted to invited presenters. If you have any respiratory symptoms such as fever, cough, and or shortness of breath, please refrain from attending the meeting and notify a health care provider. We are screening all meeting participants prior to entering the building. Press and public comment is still encouraged. Citizens can join the live Zoom meeting by going to www.qac.org slash public comment, or you may email comments to publiccomment at qac.org. Or you can leave voicemail comments by calling 443-262-4601. We will accept public comments up until approximately 6 p.m. Comments received will be read during the press and public comment period on this evening's agenda. Citizens may also submit written testimony to the county commissioners by mail at 107 North Liberty Street, Centerville, Maryland, or by email at QAC commissioners and administrator at qac.org. We will now stand and be led in the Pledge of Allegiance by Commission President Jim Moran. I pledge allegiance to the flag of the United States of America and to the republic for which it stands, one nation, under God, indivisible, with liberty and justice for all. We'll take a moment of silence today for all of our military serving abroad since we haven't spoken for them in a while. Thank you very much. Okay, commissioners, we can move to the uh, approval of today's agenda. The agenda for today's meeting, May 26, 2020, and the regular and closed session minutes from your May 12th meeting and your budget work session meeting held on May 19th were distributed electronically for review. Do we have any additions or corrections? No, there is not. Okay. Make a motion to accept. Second. A motion to second. Any discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. All right. Thank you, commissioners. And we did reinstitute the public comment period at the uh, beginning and at the end of the meeting. And we also have a third. Uh, uh, section for the uh, after the hearing tonight. So for those out in TV land, I will read this one time for their benefit. Thank you for taking the time to express your views to the county commissioners during this public comment period. Comments are limited to three minutes in length. Comments longer than three minutes should be submitted in writing. When you come forward, oops, when you uh, present your comments, please speak clearly. State your name, address, and topic of interest. Keeping with the dignity of the office, we ask that all views be expressed in a respectful and civil manner. The Commission respects your desire and right to convey your message freely. We ask as a courtesy to the Board and our citizens you respect the Commissioner's request and refrain from name-calling and na naming citizens and name-calling when offering any critique. Okay, so. Go to Zoom. Do we have any public comments? We do. We have one in Zoom right now, so I'm going to mute our room in here.
Hi, this is Jay Fosbeck from Clean Ends Conservation Association Commissioners. Uh, good evening, and uh, thank you for your continued service during this crazy time. Uh, commissioners, I wanted to just take a minute and um, talk about something that I hope you all as a commission will start to uh, focus on. And I provided a document earlier uh, with some background, but um, the issue has to do deal with Southersville. And I assume by now you all are familiar with the Nitro Circus uh, Circuit 199 proposal um, being considered for the town. This is a drastic change from anything that has ever occurred in the community. And um, if you read some of the proposals that are contained within the Pastrana document, um, he's talking about bringing in anywhere between 10 and 30,000 spectators uh, to one of his events. And that would be uh, a couple times a year. Um, or second to that, there are some smaller events that are still within the thousands. Southersville is a small town. Um, this whole thing is predicated on the notion that it's going to somehow help with the water and sewer uh, debt. Yet there's no evidence anywhere that, um, that this proposal will help on that front. But more importantly, commissioners, because of the size of this venue and the number of people that it will be using, the problems will spill beyond the borders of Southersville and require the county um, and emergency services and police, I think, to play an active role. And the reason that this is so important is because right now, Southersville and Southersville's governance is a mess. Uh, they can barely manage their water and sewer service um, and to think that they're going to somehow be able to have oversight over a multi-million dollar venue like this is just um, it's folly to think that they're going to have that capability so i hope that you will ask um, other departments to start taking a look at this particularly the planning department and emergency services and start asking the hard questions because this is a uh, a huge venue and something that has the capacity to dramatically change the entire north part of the county. Thank you very much for the time and uh, please stay safe. And I'm going to go back over to you, Mike, to unmute. And we're now back in the room. No other public comment then? Uh, not regarding. Uh, uh, they're all for later in the budget. Okay, great. All right, commissioners, if you want to turn to uh, tab number three. Do we need to close press and public comment? I thought we were reading. We had no more to. Well, all, all the other stuff is for really doing the. Uh, it's budgetary. Okay, very good. Yeah, budget all right, comment. So that's it for press and public comment. We'll move on. We can move on. Yes, the new business, commissioners. Uh, we have uh, five action items under tab three and one desk item this evening. The first item is a proclamation. That uh, is for the Judy Center Early Learning Hub Proclamation. So would one of you please read that? It's, I think it's over there with you, is it not? I think Steve's it's, got it's it It's in your book, tab three, item Got one, it. page one. Uh, yeah. Whereas the county commissioners of Queen Anne's County at request of the residents declare the county as a Judy Center Early Learning Hub of Queen Anne's County, Judy Center community, and whereas all residents have been called upon 
celebrate the contributions of the Judy Center in promoting the support and empowerment of families of young children, birth to five, residing in Queen Anne's County for the past 20 years. And whereas the Judy Center staff vow to continue their dedicated service to promote early school readiness with parent and caregiver empowerment, and whereas the Judy Center will continue to collaborate to provide positive caregiver, parent, and child empowerment initiatives, such as the Judy Center Social Skills Development Playgroups, Judy Center Home Visits, Judy Center Pre-K and Kindergarten Events and Activities, and miscellaneous Judy Center-supported community outreach, outreach events, partnering program supports and staff, and staff professional development opportunities, and whereas the Judy Center will deliver services with dignity and respect to caregivers, parents, and young children residing in the current catchment area of Sudlersville Elementary School, regardless of race, religion, or creed, and whereas the Judy Center will ensure staff that will provide personal examples of outstanding character, ensuring many opportunities to model outstanding character traits during events and activities. And the Judy Center will strive to create and foster an environment that supports the development of early school readiness skills in young children in an effort to, to provide caregivers and parents in Queen Anne's County the support for their families to thrive, and whereas the Judy Center asks all community members, including caregivers, parents, and young children residing in Queen Anne's County, to celebrate the occurrence of their 20th anniversary. Now, therefore, we, the County Commissioners of Queen Anne's County, do hereby designate the month of May 2020 as the Judy Center Early Learning Hub of Queen Anne's County, 20th Anniversary Celebration Month and acknowledge the vast contributions that Judy Center has provided to residents of Queen Anne's County over the past 20 years. Queen Anne's County Commissioners. Thank you. So be it. All right, thank you, Commissioner Wilson, for reading that tonight. <laughs> okay, item number two on page two is the, uh, the FY21 sewerage and water rate increase uh, memo and this is uh we do this annually as part of the budget process so essentially in 2011 the sanitary commission adopted resolutions that capped the annual rate escalator at 6.5 percent for sewer and 5.5 percent for water these resolutions um, go into effect uh, automatically or these rate increases based on the resolutions go into effect automatically july 1st unless the county commissioners choose to reduce the rates uh, uh, at a lesser percentage. So at this point in time, um, the Department of Public Works Sanitary Commission, um, uh, Alan Quimby, the director there, has recommended rate increases for fiscal 21 uh, to be capped at 2.5% for sewer and 2.5% for water. And that's what's in his proposed budget. So we can take action on that tonight, or we can, uh, we have a budget work session next Tuesday. We can discuss it then if you have any more questions. But this is a typical, and we've been doing the 2.5% increases, I think, now for in excess of 10 years. Yeah. So it's been pretty standard. I move to set the annual sewer and water operations and maintenance rate escalator for all sanitary district rate schedules for the FY21 budget year at 2.5%, with the exception of the Southern Kent Island subdistrict, which shall see no increase in rates. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? Uh, one question. 
do we have to convene as the Sanitary Commission, or can we do this as commissioners? I think the commissioners set this, Jim, don't they? It says to the Sanitary Commission. Yeah, it does say to the Sanitary Commission. We can reflect it in the, the minutes for Sanitary Commission minutes as well. Okay. But, yeah, we can okay. So, so, if, so if I understand this correctly, so you're saying, wasn't it our first, my first, wasn't it 2011 or our first budget cycle when we were in a bad place? Yes. We it, instituted um, this continuous scale increase. It was actually in, implemented before that okay. by probably six or six or eight years. But in 2011, we conducted a comprehensive rate schedule review and at that time as a result of that they had recommended increasing that escalator up to these higher thresholds at 6.5 and 5.5 for sewer and water respectively now we've never we've never done that so over the last 10 years you're saying we've increased the the cost of water sewer bills by 2.5% every year for the last 10 years at, at least i can get you the exact duration of that yeah. but it's been it's been a I, I think I remember voting on 2.5 almost every year. Yeah, that's that'd be typical. Okay, and that'll be part of the budget resolution as well. And, and not that this is relevant at all. Uh, um, am I the only commissioner that's on co uh, county city and water? You are our only customer. Yes, sir. City. Yes, sir. Yes, okay, sir. thank you. So you should recuse yourself. <laughs> <laughs> I'm working that angle, brother. <laughs> <laughs> because I am the only user up here, I'm going to re <laughs> This race feels a little bit more than everybody else. Commission <laughs> President, I have nothing else. There you go. So we have a motion and a second. All those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. There we go. Thank you, Commissioners. Item number three on page three is um, uh, we have to make a decision on this year's July fireworks event. As you recall, we discussed this a few weeks ago. Our contractor, Zambelli, gave us an additional two weeks to make our final decision to either cancel or reschedule and select another date this year with no price increases. Joining and, uh, us live. Director Steve <laughs> Chanley is here. Um, I, think, I think we are at the point in time we have to make a decision on this tonight. Correct. Is that correct? Okay. So I think we all know the background on this one. So, so we need to make the motion to discuss. Yeah, it. once you get a motion, then we okay, can. Okay, I yeah. move to the authorize Department of Parks and Recreation cancel to cancel the fireworks contract with Zambelli for the July 2020 fireworks celebration that was to be held on Wednesday, July 1, 2020, due to the COVID-19 virus and select the same dates next year based on availability of the vendor. Uh, second. Okay, we have a motion and a second. Discussion. Hmm. So who's, who is closed? Uh, Rock Hall's not doing it. I mean, who's doing what? Do you know? Most are closed, right? So but, I think we got an email today from Nancy, didn't we? Steve, do you know I have I have some information on there that. There you go. Okay. Steve. Um, from what we found out, Chestertown... Uh, it's canceled there, Centerville, uh, Annapolis, Ocean City, and Dover. Uh, we haven't heard anything back from Talbert or Dorchester County, and Rock Hall is going to make their decision the second week of June. Um, correct me if I'm wrong, doesn't Oxford do, do one every year as well? Yes. Is that Talbot and St. Michael's? Yeah. We haven't heard from them. So I guess my question's always been, 
if we move forward and the governor flat out says there'll be no fireworks. How much are we out? How much are we out? How much are we out? Where it's not, not us canceling, it's somebody outside source is, is forcing us to cancel. Afterwards, you're still going to have to, I think you're still going to have to pay something to the vendor for preparation and transportation of that. Because they've pushed the deadline up until um, June 1 to make that, that final determination without any penalty. Does that not qualify as a COVID-related expense under the... Uh, I'll defer to my under COVID. Deferred. Yeah. You mean, in other words, if the governor cancels, cancels us and we lose that revenue, and we not the revenue, but we lose the cost. I have not specifically uh, asked that uh, question if a, a, if a canceled contract would qualify for uh, a COVID-19-related expense. We could certainly... Um, Try that if we uh, <laughs> Steve, submit that, that all they can say. Is ten thousand dollars because you have the option to, to lock get in out our date. It is might be a stretch. 50%? I would say, yeah, that's, 50%. that's half. That's half the cost. Right. And as as I think I made clear the last time, and just to remind everybody, if we do, or if you guys do decide to cancel this year, everything is just bumped to next year. Yeah. No price increase. The ten thousand dollars that we've already paid, you know, suffices for the fifty percent um, payment for next year, and then we just pay. The remaining balance when the show goes off. I want the fireworks. I want fireworks. I'm. I'm I want the fireworks. I, I, th I think we can manage this. I think it's good. Going to be good for the county. If if we get if the restaurants get any uh, outdoor dining coming up here in the next two weeks. I mean, it's an excellent opportunity for some of them to have an incredible crowd out there. Practice your social distancing. Sit in your car at the outlets and watch the fireworks. I just think so, it's good for the county. So of that ten thousand that we paid already, Steve, let, and let's say we vote to move forward with the fireworks and and you have to pay them the other half now there was a i don't have the contract in front of me but there would probably be a penalty for they have to rent trucks in order to sure. move all the um so of that ten thousand we're going to probably lose all of it i i'm i'm not comfortable saying any type of fee right now okay without having that information in front of me it might depend on how far along the fireworks company is right. on that if the governor cancels it and they Canceled Yeah, right. That's a different story. Right. If now all of a sudden it's you know June thirtieth, and he cancels it, They'll then be you're going to be on the hook for probably more. I think okay. he's if he's going to cancel it, he's probably going to do it a lot sooner than that, knowing that all these jurisdictions are having to pay and lock in these dollar amounts and dates way ahead of time. So if he's, well, got, I asked him on a phone conversation. Oh, you did. And he wouldn't say. He goes, he didn't know. Yeah. But to me, again, you know, fireworks is. You, you can have the event and just tell people you, you can't congregate. I mean, I, I guess I don't know. I mean, that's that's going to be the tail of the tape there because uh, we're not going to have any of the other events in the Narrows, just the fireworks. Right. I agree with that. Yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm okay we, with that. If we closed off the uh, Exploration Center lawn, wouldn't wouldn't that stop congregation? Just that simple. Yeah. Then in other words, well, I would just to, close. Steve, I would to close off the whole area. Down. You know what I mean? I would close the road off prior to that. At, the, at probably at the the yacht yard there, and just close it off. That's, that, there, that's so. where we already closed the road off, anyhow, right? right. People have to get shuttled right. down or walk down. Exactly. So we're already closing it off, and you just don't let anybody pass. Right. Just. I, yeah. I have no doubt that Mr. Chamley can keep people six feet apart. <laughs> well, Especially when it's dark. <laughs> Especially when it's dark. Well, let, let me just say, and I, I don't, I'm not throwing this in there. Just, I just want to make sure everybody's aware. We did have extensive conversations with uh, Dr. Ciotola about this, and obviously the concern is social distancing. People, you know, getting together for an event like that and not, um, you know, providing good judgment with their um, counterparts and their their you know, friends 
So he does does recommend not having the fireworks display this year, but um, he's you know I just wanted to make sure, sure. you all knew that so it is going to be a challenge for us. So for sure. so let, let me ask you this. Um, so w w we're in phase one of returning back to normality. Phase two obviously is the next is the next phase. Is adopting phase two predicated on our success of keeping our confirmed cases down and no hot spots during phase one? That is, are we going to be, for lack of better terms, are we going to be graded on how we performed in phase one before we're eligible for phase two? And, I, and is this firework thing going to affect our grade in being able to introduce phase two? I would say no. Okay. I would say no. I think that, you know, what, what the concern that there is is hospitalizations and ICU beds, ventilators. So the numbers have continued to drop. And that's the trend that they're heading now. And I kind of agree with what Jack's saying is in a month from now, God willing, you know, we'll have restaurants that are open mm -hmm. and, uh, you know, the, the cases will start to drop. So, all right. So any other discussion? Seeing none, we have a motion and a second to cancel the fireworks. Everybody that's in favor of canceling the fireworks signify by saying aye. Seeing there's no, any nays? Nay. All right. So it's we're going to keep the fireworks. It's a five zero. We're we're staying with it. Tell them Zambelli boys that if they got to sneak in here in the middle of the night, set it up, shoot it off. If they do one show, this should be the best show in the country. That's right. Tell them shoot it up extra high. I, I think since we are since we just voted unanimously to go ahead and move forward with the fireworks, I think the next step, obviously, as Commissioner Corcorino had mentioned setting up a game plan on how we're going to control the social distancing components of traditionally where people go to watch. I think if we rope off the lawn at the Heritage Center and say you must stay in your car. So if we have... You can't stay in your car. You have to get out of your car to see them. Well, they can back know. in or park. I, I, you know, I think whatever. you're better off not even having to be going down to the Heritage Center. The, the, just cut that off completely. Yeah, just, you, you have to cut it off right at Jamal's, just like we right. would do, even if we were having a normal. Cut it off at what point? At Jamal's, um, where Jamal's. Um, well, you got people is. that own those condos and those those um, right. at Piney Narrows. Those are. Slips. We block it off every year. And they get to go through. Those, those folks, you know, they show their identification in order to get back to their homes. Okay. Right. Okay. So what, you know, we have a police presence, and I think this year you're probably going to need a little bit larger of a police presence because you're going to have people that are going to get out and they're going to, you know, they're going to do what people do. We'll just, we'll just leave it at that. But, you know, we've already had some discussions with uh, Mr. Jamal about being able to, to park in this parking lot. He's okay with it. Now we just have to go ahead and fill out the form and formalize it. We still need to go through the permitting process, which means we have to meet with DES and the sheriff's office and the Coast Guard and things like that just to tighten up these last, um, you know, these last strings. <coughs> important from, from, from the public, just be good. Do what you got to do right. so we can get this pulled off. I mean, social distance, stay in your cars. If you're with family, you're quarantined with them already. You're already sharing the germs. It's all good. But if your neighbors don't want you next to them, you know, be, be mindful of everybody and there are else some neighbors you'll be able to see them from your backyard. Uh, sure. Areas. I mean, at, yeah. that's exactly right. So. All righty. While we have you here, kind <laughs> of closing <laughs> things off, <laughs> uh, the Terrapin Beach, there was, as we've discussed earlier, a lot of people there who I will hazard a guess don't live here in Queen Anne's County over this past weekend. 
And so I understand that Sandy Point State Park is reduced the amount of people that they're allowing in there, and that's causing people to go here. Some people aren't going to Ocean City. It was a great weekend. People wanted to go to a beach. Um, and But I, I'm concerned that we, we've got a lot of people who are not going to be following social distancing guidelines when they're at the beach. And I, I, I know... You know, I read somewhere someone said just close the beach down. I don't want to penalize our citizens for what other people are doing, um, but we got to come up with some way to monitor the amount of people that are going there. And frankly, I restricted just people who live in the county, even though no, you're probably not allowed to do that. You know, I don't care. I, I want our county people to be able to enjoy that beach. Well, I know people could disagree with me on that, but no, no, no. We we had this with the passes. Yeah, yeah. We had a, a situation that took care of that. But it was ruled we couldn't do it because... Oh, no, we could do it. We could restrict we the could numbers. Do it, but some but we, had to charge, we had to charge our citizens as well. But that's part of your taxes, your property taxes. We had a, you know, we had a way where we could have... In your property tax, when you got that letter, you would get your pass. Two passes would be with the letter. Part of that property tax would be set aside mm -hmm. for this. And it, was that 30, way, it was $35 a pass for the year. I mean, it was relatively inexpensive, and no pass, you couldn't get in. Well, some people wanted but to make that a... That was... <laughs> that didn't go over well with our citizens, so... Right. Oh, I don't think our... I think our citizens now would... Well, sir, can we limit numbers, Steve? I mean, can we do counters? I mean, is there we a We do have do counters that? out there. Right, so can right we limit the numbers? that one and one other one collected data. They just didn't transmit it, so I need about 48 hours to get that information. Yeah. I can... You know, I stopped by Sunday to the Heritage Center to pick up my commissioner's bag, and I went upstairs and to the, our office and, mm -hmm. and grabbed my bag. And as I came back out, I turned around, I looked, and I actually took a video from that second floor, and I panned the entire Heritage Center from, from the bulkhead just to the left all the way around. First of all, there was no parking. They were parking on the grass. They were double parking. <clears throat> it was absolutely packed. Now, the people that were fishing off the bulkhead we're using social distancing, but that's simply because they didn't want to get their lines tied in with each other. But um, it was it was packed, and and I know we're going to try to have a meeting. Um, did we say this week we were going to try to do it? Yeah, yeah. The third, third. You're not available Friday, but not Friday. Wednesday, Thursday, try to do something. Um, and 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 it's you know it's it's um, Wells Cove Road. I mean it, it's it's all these places where people go to congregate to fish. And it's a lot of people, so just a, a game plan to come up with um, regular schedules of rangers coming and, and I, I mean, I don't know what the schedule is. I don't know what you guys already do as, as far as SOPs, but, right. but, you know, come Sunday evening, there's so much trash from the weekend. If, if I could add a little caveat to that, it's just not fishing that's going on down there. Because the restaurants can't service right. people... You know, they're servicing out of their, basically out of their front doors. People are then, for the most part, picnicking right there on the grounds. They're taking their food that they get, mm -hmm. their drinks that they get, and they're just having a, a picnic and being there the entire day. We've had staff go down there probably two to three times a day. We've got the trash truck that runs down there th and the first thing in the morning before anybody is even up and out and about, clean all the trash out. And then, you know. What, so the trash truck goes out what, what morning? Every, it went out um, Friday morning, Saturday morning, oh, okay. Sunday morning. All right, so we're having Monday every morning, morning pickups. Yeah. 
Okay. We, we realize that there's an issue, but as, as I had conversations with folks from um, uh, Kent Air's Development Foundation, you know, it's a partnership because the, the way that area is designed, it's not designed to be a picnic area. Right. And neither are the, you know, and I'll, I'll say the, the decorative trash cans that are there. You know, you have five or six people buy a bunch of food, styrofoam containers, you put it in the uh, can, and it's full. Right. So we could have somebody come through there. Oh, Ideally, right. you would want someone to come through there every 20 minutes to pick it up. But here's the other problem. You've got too much traffic built up along that roadway and through the, um, through the parking lot. The trash truck can't get through there mm -hmm. unless you want to stage the trash truck there. But nobody wants to smell a trash truck you know, while they're out picnicking. So, so my, my solution was that, you know, that the restaurants that, you know, that do sell um, food and beverage out there, you know, they put out some additional cans as well, just and, like you and would. And they're responsible for their cans. And, and they would assist cleaning, you know, that area up, as well as having our rangers go through in our trash truck in the mornings and, you know, the end of the evening. That way, you don't have just a handful there. You know, people are going to be more apt to say, if I buy it from this place, you know, there's a trash can where I bought it from. Hopefully they would go there and they would help. So I help think that's, I think it, uh, I, I know Jeremy, is that the general manager of the Jetty, Jeremy? Um, Justin. 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 So I know Justin had sent his crew out a couple times to take the, the trash out of the, uh, the county cans and throw it in their dumpster. But I agree. I think it's a partnership. If they're going to be selling food in, in these containers, accept the responsibility of maybe putting some additional trash cans out right. and then they manage those um, and we manage ours. Right. That's a good idea. You know, we've talked about placing, you know, an additional one next to the current one that's there. But the thing is, it's not going to be the decorative one. It's going to be the black 55-gallon barrel that's, that they see in the parks. So, you know, folks are going to have to give and, give and take a little bit. You know, it's... It's better than trash on the floor, um, it is, on the but, ground. So. But, you know, what I want to make clear is our staff is out there picking up the trash. Our staff is going through there to pick it up two and three times a day. Mm -hmm. um, it's, I want to make sure that the right story gets out there. You know, I went down there first thing this morning um, on my way in, you know, at, uh, just prior to 7 o'clock, and all the cans were full. Because, again, you know, people are there all night. By 8 o'clock, 8.30 or so, cleaned up entirely, spick and span. And I had my trash truck driver go through there, and then I had two other guys that were getting ready to come by and double-check just to make sure that if he didn't get it first thing in the morning, that they got it. So, you know, these are the things that the public doesn't see. And just because the public doesn't see a parks person out there doesn't mean that it's not being taken care of. And, you know, that, that's important. You know, we get out there early. We get out there at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning to take care of it. And you know it's you know, so it's these that so these know. so these pictures that are being sent sent out of these trash containers overflowing in the bags all around the trash containers these that's that's like on a Saturday evening at seven o'clock when they're taking these pictures it, it varies okay I mean you could have what I think what they want and it would probably be in their best interest they would like a porter so to speak. Someone who's going to be down there that's going to continually empty the trash cans for eight straight hours. And as long as we're in this situation where it's, you know, carry out only, we're going to have this problem 
unless we get a little more buy-in and you know them pulling trash as well and assisting with additional cans. Is Bridges doing the same thing, or are they not open for carryout? They're open for carryout. They are. So you got two restaurants right away, right there at Wells Cove, that are that are selling carryout, and people and the, are eating. And the crab right deck's there. open on the weekends now. Huh? Crab deck is also selling on the weekends. Well, here's a novel idea: take your trash home and put it in your trash can. That never uh, happens. Right. Just doesn't happen. Doesn't happen. But yeah. again, if It'd you see wonderful. a full trash can, what sense does it make to set your trash next to a full trash can? I mean, think about it. Because they don't want to put it in their car. Right. Well, I mean. And it's not always people who live it. here, you know, so that's part of the problem. <coughs> so and an additional, a couple additional trash cans, the big black ones down there, did, did you think that helps? So if we've got two, will, maybe we should have four. It will help spread it out. Yeah. It won't alleviate because, you know, one of the things is, is, you know, you put 100 trash cans out there. They're probably going to fill up 100 trash cans. Right. What's, what's going on, Steve, down at uh, Mattapique Beach? Are you getting any activity down there? At Mattapique Beach, we just, um, we're going to let, you know, obviously a lot of people there, but we're not, we didn't run into any trash issues down there that I yeah. recall hearing about. Now, everybody's in that Adam's rib, everyone's selling into that space. But how about to your to Chris's point with Terrapin? I mean, obviously, Anne Arundel County, everything's closed, so that. They're, they're having issues over there, so we're going to get overflow. Right. And with the POS money and all that, technically we can't legally keep them out. But if we put limits on the numbers, I don't know. I, I hate to see it because Terrapin for years now, for the last five, six years, has been a part of making sure helping that's clean with the county and all that. And to see it yeah, get I, trashed I like that is disappointing. At, I understand the POS money and all that, but I, I think we need to look at – this is a different state of affairs. That I, we're I don't dis- I'm not disagreeing with you. Yeah, I mean, I think me, I mean, if we have a public health emergency, right, that's been declared – we got certain counties who their own their own elected officials say you guys are not ready to go to phase one yet, right? Because because of the health, then why should they be able to come over here? Well, I think that's the state. Features? That's the state that closes the standing point down when they get to a certain number, right? And they will actually tell you there's well, three beaches on. Count, yeah. I get, but I wonder if we we, we could have <laughs> also a, a similar public health issue that we could keep for while we need to block some people from coming to the beach or or control the numbers. We can't we can't let it just get packed. Is there only one way into Terrapin Park? Is there one parking there, lot? There's only one way. There's, in? Is there's one, several. There's one main parking lot. There's two entrances to the business park. There's the Cross Island Trail that runs Those alongside ends. of it. Car wise, yes. But so car wise, there's. You could come. But in they're just parking all along. So they just park along. Uh, so I could park in and walk uh, in. I could park along the circle. I could right. park in somebody's business. I could hop on the trail and go down and. So it's tough to regulate. You never know. You'd have to have. Well, you, you, but you, t- you only have really two ways to physically get on the beach there once you come down the trail to the back end where the, the little uh, gazebo is. I mean, that's one main and then the other end. You really can't enter anywhere between those two, Unless right? you went the opposite way of the, the, the trail because the trail circumvents the, the property. Right. I'm saying you come in from, I guess, would be the south side of the trail. You could come in that way, right? I think by the time they get to the to that cross that bridge anyway. in, the, in the marshy area and they get to that gazebo you're referencing, they've hiked quite a bit with all their stuff, and you're going to turn around and tell them, "I'm sorry, the park is full." Well, you know, they're, and they're going <laughs> to say, "Well, why didn't you tell me to catch a right half a mile there. back?" Chevy Chase went 2,000 miles from Chicago to California to get turned away by Wally the Moose from whatever. That's true. That's <laughs> you know what? Park's closed. Things happen. <laughs> Wally World. Wally World. That's right. There are a portion of people, people who will try to sneak in no matter what you say. But there are another portion that if you say, look, you know, we can only have X amount. We're at the number. Turn around and leave. A lot of people will do that. Right. So I, I think we at least try that. It's not going to be perfect. And there are people who will sneak around. I get that. 
Yeah, I would agree. Well, I think there's, there's, a, we need yeah, to on that. there's a there's a number of things that uh, this this pandemic has brought to light in a number of situations, and we've had to be reactive to them. And this is right. yet another one trash in the summertime, and that's always been a, a concern. But now it's going to be a growing concern because of the, of the and, situation. And I know you but guys I, we, are out there. Doing we can certainly uh, put our heads together and try to come up with some, some well, ideas I, I to, think to manage I, that I better. Yeah, I, I believe a good yeah. idea right yeah. now just to be reactive to the complaints that we've had about the overflow of trash. And you made a comment earlier, if you put 100 cans out there, they're going to fill 100. So maybe if we've got four cans out there at Wells Cove, let's put six. Uh, at least we're making an effort to have an area where the trash can be thrown. And if they fill up six, you know what, we added two more trash cans. Uh, you know, other than having somebody there, you know, eight hours a day for the entire weekend, you know. But I think an immediate answer would be to increase the number of cans at Wells Cove. We've talked about that today. Uh, the Heritage Center bulkhead where they fish. Um, what about, what about, um, what about using, in, instead of trash cans right now, in lieu of that, uh, using a, a dumpster service of some sort? Big, huge rubber, rubber-made dumpsters, the big well, ones? The, just dumpsters that can be picked up, maybe the 8, 10, 16-yard dumpster. We'd have to take up some parking spaces there. The I'm not truck, opposed the to truck that. Would I mean, have, the truck would have to be able to, to get in into that new configuration as to where it is. I don't know I, I just, how I'm, that would work. Right. Look, look you know, I, think, I think we're, we're beating on that dead horse and we're overthinking this. COVID's the reason for the trash. Double the cans if you have to. And once COVID's over, I think that the people will be right. in the restaurants, not in the parking yep. lots. It will be fine. Because I was down there on Saturday, I was down there on Friday, and I was down there on Monday. And their people just want to get out. So they go down there, and they sit on the water, and they, they sit right on the ground with their styrofoam. They eat, you right, and they throw it away. So we're not going to stop that. Double the cans, uh, maybe just and, and a let's see what happens for the next two months. The trash cans... And I think that that's a great start. We can do that. Like I said, we've got staff out there that's, you know, jumping on it twice. The Rangers are going through, you know, two to three times, you know, a day picking up, you know, not only ground litter, but also emptying the bags out. So. Are, are the Rangers, they're, they're dressed with the yellow reflective vests and no, they're, and they're um, uh, park, park gray, green, okay. kind of like khaki. <laughs> like these bags. That's the other thing, too. And, 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 and you know, this, all, this is all part of this, this, the um, the concerns that have been shared with us, we won't call it complaining, but the, the concerns that have been shared with us is that they don't see the Rangers at all ever. And, and, and I know that that's not the case. I, I know that they're down there uh, on a schedule, and maybe what we do is we ramp up the schedule a little bit, and we put some more trash cans out there and say, look, we hear you, and we're making some attempts to address the issues. And, and I will tell you, and, and be honest with you, <clears throat> There is not a set schedule for them to go to mm -hmm. this place at 8 a.m., this place at 8.30 a.m., this place at, you know, 9 o'clock. You know, they have the area of which they're working in, and then they go through it. And sometimes one site's going to hold you up for, for an extra hour because of, you know, right. the additional trash or an issue with, a, you know, a patron that is coming to the park. All right. We, thank you. We got a game plan. <clears throat> okay. Thanks, Steve. Thank you. Really. Thank you. Thank you. All right. The fireworks. And then, and yes, fireworks. <laughs> Thank you. All right. Moving on. All right, commissioners. Um, item number four on page seven, beginning on, beginning on page seven, is a request for EDIF funding for Lab Leasing <coughs> Company, trading as uh, the Water Testing Labs of Maryland. And the EDIF uh, recommended approval of a conditional loan 
for $50,000 to Lab Leasing Company Incorporated for the purpose of purchasing water analyst equipment for their home base of operations down in uh, Stevensville on Butterworth, Butterworth Court. So they will be obligated to create two new full-time positions within three years and um, required so, to keep that uh, employment level at 17 employees to remain in full operation for five years uh, as a con condition of that um, loan grant. All right, let's get a motion. A motion I move please. to approve the disbursement of 50000 of EDIF funding to Lab Leasing Company Incorporated for the purpose of purchasing water analysis equipment for its Stevensville headquarters. The disbursement of funds is contingent upon a signed agreement between the EDIF Commission and the company outlining the conditions of the agreement and performance of the project in accordance with the application submitted to the EDIF Commission. Second. Any discussion? Do we know how many of these, these um, uh, water analysis do they do just soil? Are they do just groundwater or they do soils? Uh, I took, when I, the, the bilges I've come across. Uh-huh. So they're the ones that are testing, uh, yeah. testing yeah. those water samples. They test everything. They'll test your well. They'll test, yeah. you've got gray water in your backyard. They'll test anything. So, so how many of these companies do we have in, in Queen Anne's County? Do we know? I believe there's just two, Chesapeake Environmental Labs and this group. And these, and these, these guys specialize a lot in uh, municipal um, wastewater treatment plants and okay. water plants, yeah. and they test water <clears throat> samples that are required to do, you know, for various chemicals. And All right, so, so and if I'm reading this third paragraph down here, um, they have three years to meet the commitment of two new employees. So, in other words, at the end of the three years, they have to increase their employer, employ, their employees from 15 to 17. That's correct. And they have three years to add two new employees. That's correct. Mm -hmm. I, I got to say, spending 100000 bucks to create one job. Oh, 50000 50000 for two. 50000 for it's two. Two for 180 isn't it? No, 50000 for two jobs. Oh. Yeah, 50000 I think it's fair to say that our economic development incentive fund committee is probably very diligent in their efforts to review these applications. And when they choose to send a recommendation to us for approval on the dollar amount, they have probably vetted it pretty fairly. Um, that's all I have. <laughs> okay, then. Any other discussion? Pretty abrupt place to end, huh? Right. Any other discussion? <laughs> Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? One. Mr. Wilson. All right. Four to one. Thank you very much. All right, commissioners, thank you very much. Number Item number five we have on page nine is a uh, extension request for a citizen-sponsored text amendment um, 20-04. The Planning Commission is requesting an extension uh, for this particular text amendment, which was conveyed to them by this board uh, at your March 2020 meeting. I move to grant a review extension in accordance with um, uh, 18-1-220-C1 for citizen-sponsored text amendment application number 20-04, which would convey to the Planning Commission by the County Commissioners at least uh, it at its 11th March 2020 meeting. I cite the public review delay in the process caused by the COVID-19 pandemic and the Planning Commission's request for additional clarification as grounds to grant the 90-day extension. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion on this? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. 
Thank you, Commissioners. We had one desk item, and this is a letter to uh, our Governor Hogan uh, requesting that we have some relief on outdoor dining seating. And this was uh, this is something that's been circulated uh, by various uh, delegate members and uh, others um, requesting that the governor lift that one of that one part of the phase two restrictions for restaurants, in particular the ones with outdoor seating. Uh, so I do know there is a press release scheduled tomorrow at five. The governor is coming back on. So we do expect something to happen potentially um, related to this We need to make activity. a motion for it? Or yeah, I'll do it. I, I move that we uh, sign the letter to the governor asking him to uh, ease restrictions to allow the open-air dining. Second. We have a motion and a second. Any discussion? I, I believe we're ready. I, I really do. Just real quick, I, just to give you guys a heads up, I've, Todd's got a letter that Washington County sent this week to the governor asking to uh, relinquish the phasing control back to the local jurisdictions and their health officers. Um, we're going to get that circulated because I'd like to, instead of sending a letter for everything we want to see open, I'd just rather see that portion come back to the local elected officials and the health officers here. Let us make the decision here locally. We can run it up the chain of command if there's a you know, big headache about it. But we really need to. Every county's different. Every situation is different. And I just think we, we can manage it better here at the local level than the state because I think part of the problem you're going to see is the larger counties some of the smaller counties are going to be ready to move to phase two here maybe in the next month. But some of the larger counties, they may not even be into phase one in the next month. And, you know, the governor's got a responsibility to try and keep some consistency in the state. So he's going to be in a bad situation where he may be holding back the smaller counties. So I just think if we had the ability here locally to phase ourselves going out, obviously phase three is the schools, and that's not going to happen until there's a state decision. But I think the phasing on the restaurants and any of the other businesses and also really be left to us here and our health officer. So there will be a letter circulated for you guys to look at to be able to be voted on. And that was the letter that was sent from Washington County? Correct. They've already sent it to the governor's office stating I that. Say, I have to say I have slightly mixed feelings about when I hear two nights ago that Washington and Baltimore on the national news are the two worst infected cities are climbing in the country. Now, I don't want to expose our citizens to anything unless, I guess, I'm okay with this, but you see my concern. It's I see your concern, but I think yours is more on a regulatory concern, and I agree with that. And that's the question was raised, well, how do you stop people from Anne Arundel County, from Baltimore City, coming over to Queen Anne's County for the restaurant? That's because we're open, right? <clears throat> right. You check their IDs. I mean, you do it for liquor. Right. You know, I asked that to a couple restaurant owners. I said, would you have a problem with your hostess or, or someone at the door saying, look, if you don't live on the eastern shore or in Queen Anne's County, I'm don't totally come over here. I mean, the message needs to be put out there that if, if he does open up the Eastern Shore, that if you don't live there, don't go there. And uh, I think that's one way to control that and keep people out of those establishments. Something like that were to happen, I'm good with it. Right. I'm just I'm scared to death that we're going to... Oh, I, I agree, yeah. That's such a beautiful yeah. record here. Mm -hmm. I mean, mm -hmm. It's pretty amazing. We've got two hospitalizations out of 50,000 people. Right. But sadly, Stevie, too, is the, the Baltimore City and all, they're under a stay-at-home order still. So technically, they're not supposed to be venturing over here to the Eastern Shore or other places. They're in a, still under a stay-at-home. So, right. uh, well, I'm, I'm not saying they're not, but I'm just saying they technically are still under the stay-at-home order. So they shouldn't be coming over here to the Eastern Shore. Be, but, so. but we know they are. Is your merchant really going to turn the sale down? Well, you got look, if, if it's just like anything. If one person ruins it for everybody else because they don't want to... You know, help help the situation along, and that's a sad you know that's a sad state of affairs. So, and it will hurt everybody at that point. Anyway, we're voting on this letter. 
Okay, I think, did we didn't We're vote good. on it, right? No, we didn't vote on the first one. So we have a motion and a second to sign the letter. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you. 5-0. Thank you, Commissioners. Okay. That's all the actions we had this evening. If you, uh, We have a, two pieces of legislation for, to schedule hearings, so if you want to turn to tab 7. Mm -hmm. And uh, I believe Amy Mordock is out here waiting in the wings if you have any uh -huh. questions. But these are two. Um, text Amendment Ordinances 20-03 is the first one on page, there is no page number, but it's the first <laughs> item in uh, tab 7 there. And right. I think all we have to do is schedule a, a public hearing, have this introduced and schedule a hearing. So if you have any questions, Amy's here to answer any questions. All right, let's get a motion. I move to schedule the hearing regarding the uh, TA, um, Text Amendment County number 2003 in accordance with local government article section 9-311. Second. And we have a motion and a second. Real quick, do you want to tell us what this is, uh, the Reader's Digest version of what this one's about? Sure. This is the um, processing of impact fee payment schedule. What this is, this was your um, text amendment that we brought before the Planning Commission at their May meeting. And what this does, in effect, is this process incentivizes the payment of impact fees up front. Right. And if an applicant chooses not to pay up front, then there is a stepped payment fee, 50% paid up front, and then 25% and 25% with an administrative fee attached of 3%, as well as a recordation requirement in the land records. Okay. So this is just so basically... We've had some issues where... People were living in homes, and individuals that built them never were keeping paid, the impact fee money. Were never paid it, right. and then they went out of business. And you know, <clears throat> I, I think that uh, I'm I'm for this. I'm also it's better to pay it up front, and make sure it gets paid, and. Uh, and, and I am too, Jim, but I just would like to add, because one of the things that the Economic Development Commission commented about and I kind of agree with is that 3% fee on the total amount, the original amount, if you're paying down, I think the 3% should just be charged on the remainder, remaining balance that you pay down. Um, so, so, for example? Yeah, right now, it's, if it's $20,000, you're paying 3% on the 20000 if you make the payments. My thing is, if you pay 10000 up front, you should only pay the 3% on remaining balance, not the full twenty. But that's just, we'll discuss that when we, after the hearing, and we vote okay. on it. So. And that issue was raised by the Economic Development Commission in a letter to the Planning Commission. And the Planning Commission did discuss that point, and I think, in essence, they concurred. Though they did not suggest to alter that language of the amendment, which I think we can discuss as it goes through right. the public process. Very good. Okay. Well, we have a, a motion and a second on this uh, text amendment uh, for the hearing. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Five All righty. Moving on to the next one. This one is... 20-05, and let's see here. We're going to get a motion. To we can just substitute the 2005 into the other motion, right? I move to schedule hearings regarding the uh, text amendment county-2005 in accordance with local government article section 9311. Second, and one more time. That's this right. is... This is a citizen-sponsored text amendment, and it was submitted on behalf of Cobros uh, Properties LLC by Tom Davis. And what this amendment does is it brings 
the uh, GNC and GVC zoning districts in line with the residential development standards mm. that establish a consistent bulk and lot width standard for duplexes. This was a text amendment that was unsuccessful in 2018 where um, the Ste some Stevensville districts were included and those were not favorably reviewed. This text amendment is citizen-sponsored and is very specific to Graysonville, uh, to these two Graysonville districts. And the Planning Commission has reviewed this favorably and sent it along to you. They're, they're, they recommended favorably? Mm -hmm. okay. Yeah. I think this is also promoting some more affordable type housing, right? Well, it just cleaned up. It, well. there, there was nothing ever there. And, and, you know, we had issues with narrow lots and right. wide lots and what we could and couldn't do. And this cleans that up. So. Right. Very good. Any other discussion? Seeing none, all those in favor signify by saying aye. 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 Opposed? So moved. Thank you, Amy. Thank you, Amy. Have a great day. It's good to see everyone. <laughs> mm -hmm. All righty. Right, commissioners, that concludes the legislation uh, we have for this evening. Um, that brings us to our second press and public comment period. Okay. Press and public yes, comments. Yes, we do. We have some people on Zoom. So right. I'm going to go ahead and uh, mute our room mic. Okay. Hi. Uh, hearing my question, my comments tonight. Um, so my comment is... Okay. Oh, hi. Thanks for hearing my question tonight. Um, comment. This is uh, regarding the $9.1 million in funding for the Southern Kent Island Sewer Project. Um, so I live in Stevensville on Route 8. Uh, I understand that there's four phases to this project. Um, and my question is, phase one, I think that was estimated around $32 million. And so the $9.1 million that's in this budget, can you um, detail what that is to cover? Um, so just a little bit of background, too, as to why I'm interested in this particular uh, area is because uh, there are nine, I believe there were nine communities on uh, Ken Island that are slated for public sewer. Unfortunately, there doesn't account for all of them that are on Ken Island, um, and I'm in one of those. So uh, Wiggins Corner, um, I'm in an area called uh, Baldwin Estates. Um, so it seems to me that, you know, these phases are on the left side of the island. I'm on the right side. So I'm curious, one, uh, what this $9 million is, is uh, put into budget to cover, and two, will there be an assessment um, of areas that have not been slated for the sewer um, and that they probably should be? Um, I, for one, and many of my other neighbors here are interested uh, in knowing when we would become a part of that, if at all. Mm -hmm. Thanks. On to our next comment, who is Justin. So, Justin, I'm going to unmute you, and you can go ahead. Hey, gentlemen, can you hear me? Okay. Uh, yeah, I just wanted to make a comment in reference to Circuit 199. Um, yeah, Justin Davis, living in Graysonville, lifelong resident. 
Yeah, I just wanted to make a comment in reference to uh, Circuit 199. I don't know who is following the uh, petition that we started on change.org, but it is up to 1,500 people, mostly local. Um, and uh, most of them did leave a lot of good comments uh, referencing it. Um, I know it's in the very beginning stage and uh, there's a lot to look into, but I think it's something that the county needs to look into, or excuse me, sellers will need to look into and the county uh, needs to back them on it. There's nothing here for the youth in Queen Anne's County, um, except the bowling alley that's now closed. Uh, and I think this would be a something really good, um, especially from Travis. He is hands down of probably one of the best role models that I've ever uh, met in my lifetime. And I think he'd be really good for the county. That's all. Zoom. So I'm going to mute us and ask you to unmute Mike. And we're back in the room. All righty. Now, and the other comments you have are for the uh, hearing. Okay. And it's 7.02, so. Um, and real quick, Todd, can we get the first gentleman, can we get her an answer from DPW? For Holly? Terms of for, Bruce, what was her name, uh, the lady that called Holly Mann. Holly Mann. Holly Mann. Holly Mann. Holly Mann. M-A-N-N. Yeah. I guess we can uh, just re reposition myself here for the hearing. <laughs> All right. <laughs> um, okay, so let me ask uh, is John, yeah, John, can you uh, get our presentation ready to go here? We have our constant yield hearing next. Take a five, Jim. You want to take a five minute break? Okay. We, we can Please. go. Absolutely. <sighs> okay. Okay, commissioners, tonight we have a public hearing. It's at 7 p.m. We're just beyond 7 p.m., 7.04. And this is for the purpose uh, to establish and receive public comment on the constant yield tax rate. The county intends to maintain its current tax rate of $0.8471 per $100 of assessed property value instead of the constant yield tax rate of $0.8358 per $100 of assessed value. Our current tax rate will result in $956,891 of additional uh, real property tax revenues. Accordingly, uh, legal advertisements have been placed <coughs> in newspapers of record in the county, and the county intends to adopt the county commissioner's uh, budget on June the 9th, 2020. And we do have a uh, one more work session scheduled uh, next Tuesday, one week from tonight at 5 p.m. on uh, June the 2nd, 2020. And before we get into the uh, our FY21 proposed budget, I do want to say that um, this particular budget, this budget year has been um, very unique. We all know that. Uh, we all know there is an economic crisis right now because of the global pandemic, which affects not only our citizens here, but residents all over the world. So obviously that's going to impact our um, revenue source primarily uh, in the way of uh, property tax and, uh, excuse me, income tax, which represents the 40% of our overall budget. Now, we have estimated those revenue losses as best we can for, uh, for fiscal 2020 and fiscal 2021. And I can say that we are in a position to respond quickly, and we have over the past several months. It was just back in March we released the, uh, the original draft of our county budget, and it was uh, approaching $150 million. We're well below that now as a result. But we have shown strong fiscal management, as evidenced by our AAA bond ratings, which we still hold. We have a sizable rainy day fund and a revenue stabilization fund, which we do intend to use 
uh, for the fiscal 2021 budget. So we all know what's in front of us. Um, our overall budget for 2021 is $1.3 million below our 2020 budget currently. I want to just reference a few actions that are reflected before we get into the presentation, how we achieve those savings. Uh, number one, we've implemented a hiring freeze uh, over the past month. We are including no compensation increases for county employees, which we were originally. There are no enhancements included in our 2021 budget, which uh, largely were new positions, and we had a number of those. We made substantial reductions to our capital budget, and we've asked our department directors to provide additional saving opportunities for us in the way of 5% across their uh, various operating budgets, which we have now received. And I'll also say that the reductions to the capital budget have been ongoing. Um, the budget that we have here uh, for tonight's presentation was released on May the 12th, I believe. Um, and we had a, um, a work session after that, and we made some additional adjustments that are not reflected herein, but I can try to highlight some of those changes uh, that we made, and then we can make any final adjustments at our work session next Tuesday and then adopt the budget um, as proposed on uh, June the 9th. So with that, we can go to the, the presentation, and I'll try and make sure I can use this. This is the title sheet. This is our public hearing for May 26, 2020. And as I mentioned, we, um, we are showing a budget decrease for 2021 of $1.3 million. It's just below 1% at 0.87%, a decrease from $145.1 million to $143.8 million in fiscal 21. Income tax and property tax make up 85% of our total county revenue sources. Income tax revenue is project projected to decline by 6.8%. However, property tax is projected to grow by 2.4%, and that is as a result of uh, property assessed values. Our tax rate, as mentioned, are proposed to remain the same property tax rate of $0.8471 per $100 of assessed value and income tax at 3.2%. Our constant yield rate, again, is 0.8358 per $100 per $100 of assessed value, which is slightly lower than the current tax rate. And as I said, the, the current tax rate will result in a slightly increased revenue of about $1 million more than the constant yield tax rate would generate. We do maintain our AAA bond rating from two of the three rating agencies, reflecting our stable economic base, our strong operating performance, and solid revenue framework. We've demonstrated conservative budget management practices, and have con which has contributed to consistent reserve levels for our AAA bond rating reserve safety margin, as referenced by our Rainy Day Fund and Revenue Stabilization Fund. We've also demonstrated our financial resilience during the last recession we had in the, the 2012 time period by making operational changes as needed to adjust expenditures associated with the downturn, some of which were, were not easy decisions, and we are ready and able to make those in the future because we have experience doing that, and the rating agencies um, appreciate that, those actions. We have a spending affordability committee. Um, each year we meet with the Spending Affordability Committee, and they provide recommendations and guidance uh, for continuing our strong uh, fiscal management practices. I'll highlight a few of those recommendations here. The first being to make sure we keep a close eye on the potential budgetary impacts of the Kerwin Commission going forward. 
and we are very fortunate to have uh, Commissioner Jack Wilson on that committee. Now, obviously, uh, the COVID-19 pandemic has changed a lot of that. That's on a, a bit of a holding pattern, but nevertheless, that's not going to go away. Uh, we will see more of that in the future. We also have a recommendation to keep our capital fund balances available for appropriation in upcoming budget years, which we have done. The committee also recommended this year to adopt a policy regarding individual and private donations to the county, a project that we are now working on, which will help us with our animal services division, which is now under the, the county umbrella. Next slide here. They also recommended the county consider a debt measure of debt per capita as an additional advisory debt measure, debt measure which we have done. Excuse me. <coughs> Our committee urged us to consider and maintain awareness of the fiscal impacts of climate change. We do have a coastal uh, vulnerability and climate change assessment plan at the ready, and we have referenced that on a number of occasions, and that will be something we utilize going forward. The committee encouraged emphasis on main, maintaining support for items to sustain services, and these are things that uh, keep us ahead of the curve, keeping our roads in good shape, our parks, our system preservation projects for our critical infrastructure. We need to manage those so we don't fall far behind on those attributes within our county uh, resources. So those are some of the highlights from our Spending Affordability Committee. We appreciate their work and efforts each year. This next slide shows, uh, this is our famous pie chart. This is the proposed revenue by source for the fiscal 2021 budget. And you can see the, the lion's share is property tax at 49%, income tax at 36%, uh, other local taxes, which include highway user property transfer taxes, hotel tax, uh, amusement taxes, et cetera, coming in at 8%. And this also does uh, highlight the... Uh, the pointer won't work here, but you can see there the, the small sector, 1% in the purple uh, shade, is the uh, revenue stabilization fund that we are proposing to use in fiscal 2021. Our proposed expenses by function, again, the pie chart showing line share uh, going to education at 42%, followed by public safety at 11%, public works at 8%. The other agency sector, the, uh, the light blue sector on the, uh, over there at 9 o'clock, includes uh, the sheriff, the volunteer fire department, state's attorney, circuit court, the library, and elections, and that comes in at 16%. So those are the big areas of the uh, proposed expenditure side of our budget. Okay, this chart shows the real property assessed values, and this chart ranges from 2008 to 2021, uh, we have three lines on the, on the graph here, the top line being the total assessable base of property, which includes the residential properties, which is the red line immediately below that one, and the blue line for commercial properties. And we, we're currently projecting right about overall 8.5 million in fiscal 2021 of assessable base. And you can see that we are on the upswing. We had a little bit of a, the, 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 the curve was going up until about 2012, then we had a, a little bit of a, a downturn and a flattening, and we are back on the upswing since about 2016, 2017, and that is uh, continuing to go up um, currently. 
This is uh, one of our favorite slides. We like to brag about being one of the lowest uh, property tax rates in the state of Maryland, but this does reflect the real property tax rates across the entire state, 23 counties and Baltimore City. Baltimore City all the way on the left there being the highest at over $2 um, per $100 of assessed value. And we are the, the yellow bar at .8471, which we are the third lowest county in the state of Maryland as far as property tax rates go. So, because um, I know that Queen Anne's County was the fourth lowest for a long, long time, and, and now we're the third lowest. That's correct. Well, technically, I would argue we're the lowest. And the reason I'll say that is because Talbot County has a tax cap. They can only raise their property taxes for education, which they do every year, which puts them well over us every so year. So there's an educational tax separate? That's the only way they can raise their property tax every year is for education. They do it every year because they have to close a gap. So, And Worcester has the hotel tax, which brings a few dollars in in Ocean City, which offsets their education. So technically... Just a few, right? We're really the lowest for what we're operating with. So... Good just point, had to Jack. throw that in there because yeah, every point, year we don't Jack. need to say that. I just wanted to make sure we <laughs> and said it. I think it, this it needed year. to be added. <laughs> we will definitely add that next year to the presentation. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay. Our next slide here is general fund budget expenditure changes in millions of dollars. And this is where we had to go from uh, $149.7 million before, um, that was back in, I guess, early March to today. To 143.8 million dollars, so we uh, we achieved that by cutting uh, 1.2 million dollars in PAYGO from our capital budget, followed by uh, the enhancements, which is the new positions that were proposed by our various departments. Proposed FY21 position at 800,000, employee compensation packages, increases pay for performance, cost of living uh, reduction of 1.2 million there reduction to the contingency accounts of $1 million. Uh, we asked our departments, as I mentioned earlier, to go back and look and see where they could save some additional uh, dollars out of their operations budgets. So we got $600,000 uh, from that. We have some savings from the um, Agricultural Land Preservation Program at $300,000, a reduction there, and additional savings from vacancies and the hiring freeze at $800,000 for a total reductions of just under $6 million, $5.9 million, getting us down to the $143.8 million proposed 21 operating budget. Okay, this next uh, slide shows our general fund budget changes. This is like a balance sheet in millions. compares the revenue and expenditures in the two blocks uh, from fiscal 20 to fiscal 21. And again, some of the same numbers here. You see on the left-hand side the revenues where property taxes did go up by $1.6 million, but income taxes were reduced by $3.8 million. There were the two big changes there. Some other additional taxes that have been, uh, we, we are forecasting a lower, uh, incre uh, lower uh, receivables for uh, transfer recordation taxes, uh, hotel taxes, obviously, service charges. And you will see at the bottom of that um, block on the left in the revenue side, the uh, revenue stabilization uh, $2.0 million, $2 million from revenue stabilization fund to balance, you know, that uh, FY21 proposed budget. On the expenditure side, um, we did include uh, the maintenance of effort, $1.5 million for the Board of Education. We'll show that calculation later in the presentation. So that was an increase. We, uh, we also showed the reductions there in transfer to capital budget we talked about earlier, agency savings, 
and uh, some debt service that we retired, which really helped us out uh, this, this year. So balancing the, uh, the expenditures with our revenues at 143.8 million, an overall reduction of, uh, here it shows 0.9%, but we're at 0.87%. Could I interrupt to ask Jonathan why the debt service is off 1.3? Come on up, John. He had some. Come up here. Uh, that Come up here. It was from just previous debt that we issued that we retired. So it was a, it was a very significant former bond issue that um, we retired the debt. So the total went down. Huh. And it wasn't refunding. No. Okay. Good. Thanks. All right. Good. Oops. All right, commissioners. This uh, this next slide. FY2021 proposed revenue, and this is just another way to look at our revenue sources coming in for fiscal 21. And this lists out uh, everything in detail. It shows the uh, the FY19 actual revenues received, the FY20 budget, the FY21 proposed budget, and then the column all the way to the right, the uh, changes between FY20 and 21 <coughs> standouts are um, income taxes, you know, which are greatly reduced. A number of other uh, taxes are also um, off this coming year. And down at the bottom, the revenue stabilization fund increase uh, addition of $2.031 million. And uh, the next series of slides show the FY 2021 proposed expenditure and this is by county division and or uh, departmental group uh, versus county administration. We've asked everybody to kind of come flat. Now, there's, there are some bumps and some are high and some are low. Uh, but overall, you'll see that we are, we are flat this year going in. But the county administration includes the uh, commissioner's office, budget finance, information technology, human resources, economic development, tourism, and QAC7. Uh, that shows an overall increase of about... 6.7%. Community services, which is our area agency on aging, housing and community services, and LMB, local management board, they are uh, coming in at a reduction of 5.3%. Uh, Planning and zoning has an increase of about 2%, uh, 1.9% there shown on the chart. Public safety is uh, relatively flat. They come in, this is detention center and emergency services at a minus 0.2%. Uh, uh, change. Public works comes in at a 7% change, and that is even with the addition of the animal services uh, group there in that in that category with uh, within public works, which is a, an ad this year. Parks and recreation is down uh, slightly at 2.2%, largely because we paid off some, uh, some debt service at the uh, golf course for that property down there. And this shows all of the other agencies that we fully fund or partially fund, and these include state's attorney, sheriff's office, fire protection and rescue, the uh, library, board of elections, and our uh, very important these days, health department. Um, so uh, overall, those agencies, naming those few, are down 1.4%. Uh, and the last slide in this group shows our, our debt service payments which this again shows, uh, like Commissioner Wilson mentioned, the, uh, the reduction in our debt service uh, from 20 to 21. And then other, uh, other expenses that are reflected in the budget, uh, the general insurance, our OPEB insurance, local grants, 
uh, non-departmental or salary lapse contingencies and contingency savings from our departments uh, down 30 percent. So overall, total general fund, we're down 0.87 uh, percent for our uh, proposed expenditures, and that's the, uh, the greater detailed version of that. This next slide shows our maintenance of effort calculation for the Board of Education. Um, this year's allocation was 59.491 million. Our enrollment was 7,498.25. I'm not sure about the 0.25 there, but I guess we have a quarter of a kid. Our allocation per pupil uh, this year was uh, $7,934 and change. So we adjust that this year for our statewide wealth per pupil at 2.5%, giving us the adjusted per pupil amount for this next year at $8,132.39. Multiplied by our enrollment projection, which goes up to 7,505 students, giving us a total, which uh, provides an increase in the required county allocation of $1.542 million for the Board of Education, which has been included in this year's uh, budget, which is um, below what Kerwin would have had us put in there this year, had that been a factor. No, it's more. We're actually more than what Kerwin would require. For, the, for this year? For next year? Okay. Or, yeah, the budget coming up. Yep. Okay, this next um, slide shows the uh, Board of Education fiscal 2021 capital projects. And this is a listing of all the uh, projects that they requested in uh, 2021. And that first, uh, on the, all the way on the left hand, you see the project description, the uh, requested amount for those projects. Then in the center column there is the, uh, the reductions in red and the FY 2021 proposed uh, allocations that we are proposing to fund. They total uh, $6.7 We in included in this, uh, in the funding program, the um, Facility improvements to the Bayside Elementary School, exterior window and door replacement at 180,000. The Ken Island High School roof replacement at uh, 2.4 million. Uh, some systems preservation projects at the Sundersville Elementary School for chillers, fire alarm systems, and some transportation buses at the bottom. And a lot of these projects uh, are matched with uh, state funding as well. So that's what we have for the Board of Education. So overall, the uh, fiscal 2021 capital budget highlights include uh, the $6.7 million for the Board of Ed projects, the $9.5 million for the Southern Kent Island Sewer Project, which is Phase 2 in the Tower Gardens region. Our bond sale, and this as, as, is uh, reflected in the May 12th uh, release of the budget, was $14.8 million, which included uh, Board of Education, the Ken Island Library expansion at $3.7 million, which we've, uh, we've been able to reduce that and reallocate that over two fiscal years. So that's going to be uh, two or two and a half, I think, next year. So we did reduce that, maybe two, two yeah. for next year. So that, that's going to help us with our, uh, our overall bond next year. Asphalt overlays for system preservation of roads. Uh, parks at $700,000, emergency services, $1.7 million for the CAD replacement and replacing uh, the wiring, the copper wiring to fiber at the uh, 911 center, helping with our next-gen projects uh, and other miscellaneous projects at $1.8 million. Funding sources, we have grants, uh, almost uh, $7 million in grants, operating funds, 
$800,000, capital fund balance at $3.7 million, and uh, other uh, funding sources, $10.3 million, primarily for the uh, Route 8 sewer projects uh, for, that, for that project. <coughs> These next three slides show our uh, debt policy ratios that we talk about each year with our Spending Affordability Committee. First one is debt as a percentage of assessable base, and we show this over a seven-year period. The maximum pursuant to our policy is 2.5%. You can see uh, from 2020 all the way through 2026, we're, you know, we average right around 1.6, 1.65 range. It actually tails off in the later years, so we're well below our debt as a percentage of assessable base, a maximum of 2.5%. This next one shows the per capita debt to per capita income. Uh, we, our policy calls for a maximum there at 8%. Uh, fiscal 2021 will be at 4.25%, and we're pretty consistent across the board. Actually shows a decline over the next several years, all the way down to 3.63% in, uh, in the out years in 2026, which is well below our maximum. We have uh, the last one we have tonight, is debt as a percentage of general fund expenditures. The recommended maximum here is 10%. And, uh, and actually in 2021, we show a, uh, we're going from 8.4% down to 8%, which is a reduction and it goes back up over the next few years, which obviously that could change as we uh, move through the, uh, the budgetary process in the out years. Okay, these next uh, several slides show, uh, we won't go through each one of these, but this basically shows our capital budget by funding source. And this is, these next few slides show the overall uh, 2021 capital budget by source. Vertically on the left, you see the description of the project. Uh, and then going horizontally across the top, it shows the type of, of uh, funding that we have for those projects, whether it's PAYGO, grants, bonds, operating funds, fund balance or other um, other funds. So uh, I'll just flip through these. This is the detail for um, all of the county departments and outside agencies. Uh, I think this slide shows our the changes we still um, will be making or plan to make for the library at the top of that, that slide there for the uh, Kent Island Library expansion. Spread that over two years so we can reduce our bond uh, this, this coming year, 2021. And we also pushed out the detention center one year. This shows our water and sewer enterprise funds, and these are not part of the general fund, but they are included here for water and sewer enterprise accounts for our public water and sewer systems. This slide shows the uh, proposed bond sale. I'll highlight a few projects here. We had 250000 set aside for uh, the Housing Authority facility recapitalization. We're working on a project there now at the Riverside Estates community for some rehabilitation and remediation. Public safety network and CAD replacement, two projects there at our 911 center. Our CAD uh, system out there is 20 years old now. It's, uh, the vendor is, uh, there's only one vendor that even services it, so we really have to get that replaced. And the, the, the sa public safety network is to uh, replace all the copper with fiber wiring so we're prepared for the next generation system. We have our Ken Island Library here on this sheet, um, highlighted that, 3.7, which we can adjust that downward as we discussed. Um, 
followed by two Board of Education projects, the uh, elementary school window door replacement and their comprehensive building uh, capitalization program at $800,000 for their general building facility repair budget. Top of the next slide, uh, continuing those, uh, the list of projects, we have the Kent Island High School roof replacement at $2.4 million. Um, the chiller replacement and the fire alarm replacement for Sellersville Elementary School. We have capital equipment for parks and the parks uh, major maintenance fund to keep up with our parks. Bay Bridge Airport Fuel Depot, that's an underground uh, fuel system down there that is uh, ready for replacement, so we want to get that completed. And uh, followed by, lastly, the asphalt overlay program and parking lots to maintain our roads and parking lots at county facilities. So this does show a total of 14.7 million so we are going to reduce that down to about 13 million i believe is our number for uh, the bond sale all right and the last series of slides here shows our overall six-year capital budget similar to the previous slides this is um the projects are shown on the, the left hand side the difference here horizontally across the top we show it by fiscal year and total project cost this is fiscal 21 all the way on the left through fiscal 26, and this is our capital budget plan that we review each year and make adjustments in the out years. Uh, some projects take multiple years, so those, uh, those do include multiple cycles, but this, uh, again, is all the county projects that we have on the books, so to speak, now uh, by department. And I'm not going to go through each and every one of these, but we, we do have this for the, uh, the public's review as they uh, look at our budget documents, and this is all on our website as well. So we uh, can go through these. As I said, we did move out the detention center rehabilitation and renovation project by one year. And I'll sip through these. Any... Shows all of our parks projects. And again, water and sewer. And that concludes the, uh, the six-year capital. So up and coming, we have um, this, again, was our released budget as of May the 12th. We had a work session last Tuesday. We made a few adjustments. We didn't reflect those in here. Obviously, this is what the public has received for their comment this evening. We have another work session scheduled for uh, next Tuesday, one week from today, and then we will hopefully be able to adopt our final budget on June the 9th, 2020. Very good. Thank you. That's and all this is on our website, so... For the public. Well, this presentation is not, but all the budget documents that we went through, that is all. I don't think the, this presentation has been posted. We certainly can post this up there well, you, now. Um, yeah. wouldn't, they can watch the video. I mean, don't you guys do anyway, right? QAC Channel 7? Yeah. 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 Just wait until after he yeah. presents it, then we'll put it up tomorrow. Exactly. Right. That's what I mean. So right. it'll be on, on the website. Right. So it'll be on the website. Yeah. All the budget documents, the numbers, the, the detail is, is on the website you know, the one we released on May the 12th for, uh, for their public review and comment. Very good. Great job. That's what we have, and we're ready to take any public comment for constant yield tax rate hearing. So Sure, and actually uh, we don't have Zoom, any uh, Zoom comments for it, but we have uh, some written-in comments. Okay. So this might be the shortest constant yield uh, press and public comment I've ever <laughs> seen at least. There we go. <laughs> uh, our first letter was from uh, Wendy Gast, and she is from Graysonville, Maryland. She wrote, Dear Commissioners, I am in support of the Talisman Therapeutic Riding. I am writing to encourage you to fully fund Talisman for $30,000 from the QAC Outside Agency Grant. 
starting in 2012. The charity has provided important therapeutic and re recreational services to the community. Talisman has implemented over 12,000 lessons using horses, Maryland certified therapists, credentialed instructors, and hundreds of local volunteers. There have been many challenges along the way. Today's challenge is a lack of appropriate lighting in the indoor arena. This affects many of their riders with special needs, vision impaired horses, an aging volunteer base, and several instructors. Safety is the number one priority at Talisman. I appeal to you to fully fund the support to Talisman, which will, which will enhance safety measures. Thank you for considering this plea for support. Talisman is a great asset in Queen Anne's County. It is important that all of us, all of us contribute to enhancing its mission and vision. Our next letter was from Ann Cassidy from Centerville, Maryland. Thank you for supporting and approving the expansion of the Kent Island Library. As a board trustee, QAC citizen, and long-term library patron, my family and I thank you. And we also bring this a little closer. We have some uh, emails that came in. This is from Kathy Kyleen from Stevensville, Maryland. On behalf of the Board of Library Trustees for the Queen Anne's County Library, I would like to thank you for including funding for the expansion of the Kent Island Branch in the FY21 capital budget. The Board looks forward to working with the County on this much-needed addition to our library system and will pledge to make the utmost effort to solicit private contributions towards the project. Thank you again for all that you do for the library and the citizens of Queen Anne's County. Our next email will come from William Silva. Dear County Commissioners, Thank you for your continued support of the Kent Island Library Expansion Project. As a member of the Library Board of Trustees, I am familiar with the effort devoted to this project over the past several years by the County Commissioners and others with the enthusiastic support of the community. Your continued support of this project during these difficult times will serve the County well and may be our last chance to provide this essential expansion. Next up is Kathy Smerick from Stevensville, Maryland. Dear County Commissioners, my name is Kathy Smerrick. I live in Stevensville. I am the president of the Friends of Queen Anne's County Library. On behalf of the more than 350 members of the Friends of the Library and on behalf of the thousands of county residents who use the library every year, I would like to thank you for the ongoing support of the library. Funding in the proposed FY21 operational budget, which will allow the library's invaluable staff to continue to provide a wide range of services to county residents, young, old, and in between. And your strong commitment to the much-needed expansion of the Kent Island branch is reflected in the proposed capital budget. We are confident that the investment being made by the county and the state in the renovation and expansion project will yield great returns for so many Queens County families. Sincere thank you for the commitment to this important community resource. Our next email comes from Helen Bennett. To the commissioners, I would encourage you to keep the constant yield. If we need to raise money, I would encourage you to lower or do away with the tax credit for the volunteer fire department or look at a tiered real estate tax based on assessments, look at the APFO, and maybe increase it and stop giving tax breaks to the mixed use and other developments. Particularly, I believe we should be changing, I'm sorry, particularly I believe we should be charging impact fees. For instance, Four Seasons made a comment about more than 80% more than of the people who bought within their development have moved from homes within Queens County already, which means that people who buy those homes are probably going to have families, which means there's an impact to our schools and roads and et cetera. Thank you for your time. And that's all of our emails. I'm going to double check our Zoom just to make sure no one came in. And it looks like we've concluded our public comment. Okay, then we'll close public comment. Shortest one in history. <laughs> for sure. Nobody here with uh, 
any uh, agenda, so very good. We're, that's pretty much it. We're going around to them. That's all we had for the budget hearing. Unless you have anything to say about the budget, uh, or you can go to roundtable. We're going to go to roundtable then. So we're let's go. We're going to go in reverse. We're going to let the the esteemed gentleman from District Four start things off. You said esteemed, then you looked at me. <laughs> it can't be the same person. <laughs> um, okay. Well, today. Um, Heather Tonelli and I participated participated in a, a Zoom summit with the comptroller um, with uh, a lot of our local restaurants and a couple other players from some other counties discussing ways that we can do the open-air dining. Um, so this is not just an outdoor seating, but restaurants that can completely like open up there, like the garage door walls, and it's, it's an outdoor seating. What they have in place so that they can safely serve their customers and keep their employees safe and a lot of the restaurants have come up with some really good ideas um, of what they can do and they're ready um, uh, you know some people might not realize but we have quite a few restaurants who they need to make in a hundred days the money to last them 365 days and this is their prime season right now so for every day every week that they're not open they're that closer to having to close their doors for good um, it is a very important thing and even when that's going to be allowed, the open-air seating, it's still not enough. I mean, they, they need to have a good capacity. So this is just trying to help them stay alive as long as they can. The comptroller has been speaking out in favor of this, so I appreciate his efforts. I appreciate him taking the time to speak with the members um, of our restaurant community um, and the members of the restaurant community who spoke out as well. We have a letter going to Governor Hogan, um, and I'm hoping that we'll get some good news and, and those businesses will be able to start um, a sensible reopening to be in business, safety for the customers, safety for the employees. Um, as that happens, there's going to be, they're going to have to be creative. Some don't have outdoor seating. Some restaurants um, have parking lots where they could do some seating. And I think we need to find out what do we need to do as a county to ease some restrictions so that, uh, let's say, Colt Classic, if they have to use that side parking lot for more than just a special event, what can we do to streamline the process to allow these restaurants and businesses to use those spaces for this summer to have outdoor space that they might not otherwise be able to normally use? This is not a permanent thing, but can we find creative ways to help them so that when the governor does say it's time to go, we're able to help those businesses you know, try to stay in business? I see a lot of tents getting rented. And which would be great, right? Because these catering companies, they're not doing weddings. So you're, you're, you're really helping yeah. two things. I, I think it's a great idea. Whatever we can do, uh, Tom, but planning and zoning, if there's you know, issues that need to be overcome and we need to get something before the commissioners quickly to do that, I think we need to do that so we're ready to rock and roll uh, for our businesses. Very good. That's it. All right. Commissioner Dumanow. Uh Esteemed. Okay. The esteemed Commissioner Dumanow. <laughs> He gets to be esteemed. Um, on a serious note, uh, I would encourage my fellow commission. I would strongly encourage my fellow commissioners to um, consider uh, supporting an idea that I have regarding um, the water sewer bills. Um, uh, obviously, there's there's it's not. Um, news to anybody that because of the COVID crisis that we're facing and the financial setbacks that our citizens who are on water and sewer in the county 
are facing in paying those bills and other bills in their household. I would like us to strongly consider, instead of sending um, a tax sale bill or a tax sale notice when they get more than two quarters behind at the end of the year, in lieu of doing that, that we consider sending a payment schedule where it gives them an opportunity to get back on track over a period of time. Um, I know there's many households where both the homeowners were bringing in uh, income because of their jobs, and now uh, one is, is not working or both aren't working, and they're finding themselves falling behind in bills. So uh, I, I, would like us, I would like to see my fellow commissioners get behind um, this idea of coming up with a plan where our citizens that are on county and sewer, county sewer and water, receive a payment uh, payback schedule as opposed to a property sale, tax sale notification, um, if they're two quarters or less behind in their bills. Okay. That's, That's all I have. Thank you very much. Commissioner Wilson, the senior statesman. <laughs> Estimable. There you go. Okay. So... I would like to open a little discussion with my fellow commissioners on a, on a subject which concerns me, which is the the county fair is right on the edge of collapsing this year. The what is? The county fair. Right? I thought they already canceled. They already canceled. It has been. Yes. I think that's very sad. I do too. They're going to try to do online auctions and stuff is what I understand, but the, the fair itself is canceled, yes. I understand it is, but that board was very tippy this way and that, and nobody supported it. And I wonder if there isn't some way we couldn't encourage them at least to keep the farm element, like the competition for the kids and the animals. Or I'd just like to get the commissioners to give some statement of support if there's anything they can do, because this thing's run for 80 years without yeah. ever breaking. And I, we can do Fourth of July. I'd like. It's one of the things that really makes Queen Anne County Queen Anne's County, and I, right. I really don't like just seeing it go down. So when is that normally? In, it's in August. August, August yeah. So it's late August. Late August, right? So I don't know if you folks want to support reconsidering keeping part of the fair open or anything, but I think some kind of statement that was positive about it, because. I talked to a couple board members, and they said, you know, we just didn't have anybody was for it. So, you know what I mean? Nobody supported us. We had no money. You know, we didn't know what the revenues would be. And I, I think it's just sad. So I thought I'd bring it up. i leave it to you guys. So a, a question, and, and you may or may not know the answer. Um, they obviously have a set date, and, and, and people trickle in their applications and their fees for their booths and sure. and their animals to be considered you know you know for the shows and um you know how so those uh, um commitments by the folks that generally um spend the whole week at the fair as far as being vendors or showing their animals or things like this ha have there been a has there been a decrease uh, in interest and that's why they've made the decision to not have the fair because there just hasn't been enough commitment as as they've always been in the past i can't answer that but i would say this that there's two elements to the fair one is that kind of fairway with all the booths and people churning up and down and maybe they could 
cut back on that, but keep the animal part of it or the kids part of the tractor pull or some goddamn thing alive. But I hate to see the whole gear thing just wiped out. And know? I think they could, Steve, because you figure they do basically the first two days there sans public. I mean, because the, the campers are in there, which campgrounds are open, so I don't see where that should be an issue. And, you know, you could do the animal part, which is, like I said, that's minimal public uh, uh, there. That's the, basically that's the 4-Hers. That's the people there to... Uh, that raise the animals and sell the animals. And then you can do the auction as a virtual auction. I'm sure QAC TV could come up with something. I know Bruce could come up with something creative to, you know, sell the animals, which is what the kids use for their next year's animals and all that. So I think it's important. I, I agree with you. I think the animal side could easily be accommodated there, and you'd, you'd basically lose the public um, walking up and down the runway side of it. I mean, I think if we're hanging strong on 4th of July, we can hold our fair together, or at least some part of it, so that the whole thing isn't just complete. But mm -hmm. Is it too late, do you think, for them to decide to cut out that portion? But jumped that in my portion head that two hours ago, and I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring it up. So. I think it's a great idea to explore it. I mean, if we yeah. can look into it they think they got some yeah. support that we can do it to yeah. figure out a way to make some of it work yeah I, i'm all for that because yeah. you're right it's sad not yeah. having it okay so my only round table tonight is something that was brought to my attention on memorial day that our queen anne's county our new queen anne's county courthouse does not have an american flag flying in front of it and i would like to find out i know the original artist renditions of it had one and i'm just wondering is it not flying because they're closed? There's no pole. Oh, you no, mean the new, the new courthouse? Yeah. 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 There was a decision to uh, not have that, another flag right across the street, because we have the flags in front. Oh, right the here. Courthouse procession in front of the old courthouse. Yeah. So we didn't want to compete, have the competing interest there. So it was determined they didn't want to have a second flag right across the street. Um, Hold the phone. You can never have too many flags. <laughs> I agree. You know what I mean? Said I, no one ever. Yeah. <laughs> I tell you what, on my street, there's a house that flies an American flag every single house <coughs> down my street. So I just think it. it I, I, I mean, agree. it's a great point, and I actually is the, is the flagpole there already? No, no, there's nothing. No, there isn't a flagpole. There isn't a flagpole. So, can we get a price on what that, that would yeah. cost? Could you oh, put, certainly? Yeah. Okay, we can look at that. Yeah, mm -hmm. yeah, we need to look into that. I, yeah. think, I agree with Jack on that one. Yeah. So that's all I had, and that was okay. a citizen uh, comment. So there you go. <laughs> uh, you know, you can fly the Maryland flag over there, you know, as well, and and the Queen Anne's County flag as well. I mean, yeah. 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 stars and stripes. We get that one up there. That'll be a that's right. plus. So uh, Todd, I'd like to see us uh, also draft a letter to the state uh, highway secretary Slater. Uh, I think. We'll get, a lot of things are going on on the bridge, and I don't think anybody here knows what's going on on the bridge. But there's been a dozen caissons that have been drilled and poured up and down, you know, for the mile and a half leading up to the bridge. Now you're seeing message boards that say steel plates on the bridge. I'd like to know what's going on with that. Steel plates normally means you're, they're putting holes in the, in the bridge, and, mm -hmm. you know. Uh, I'd like to know how, the status of the painting, the railings. Uh, I, if, if anybody drives that bridge across that bridge going towards Annapolis, if you look at the eastbound bridge, they've put a catwalk up going up as far as they can go up and then on the, on the uh, western shore side. And that catwalk, they've been welding these brackets onto the sides of the bridge. And 
I don't know what those brackets are for, and I'm dying to find out. I got a feeling that's how they're going to be maybe replacing sections. I just think we need to get an update of everything that's going on, uh, and not to mention the fact that they went from cones to barrels, mm-hmm. and we got to have a thousand barrels out there, and it is. You know, they need a message board to tell people to maintain their speed because everybody slows down because they get all worried. They just got there's so much dis, uh, disruption going on out there. I think that uh, you know, if if and when traffic does come back, it's going to be worse than what, not better. So, I mean, I, I, today the traffic was light and people were slowing down and jamming it up. And I just like to see some sort, even if they can just preface that with a letter to us saying here's all the projects we're working on i know we're trying to yeah. set a meeting up once we this certainly COVID- can but i think we were going to have uh, mdta come in to do a presentation a while back but we we postponed it because of the right pandemic yeah, yeah. And we can try to reschedule that and have them come down and present or see if they want to just answer some of this you know we and, certainly and, can do and, that you know just well. to find yeah. out just get a little update going on with that because that's mm-hmm. almost an issue you can have them zoom into a meeting too if they prefer to do that yeah I mean, well, I'd like, to, I'd like to have the information first. No, no, I know, yeah. but if they want to answer questions. Yeah, let me interrupt on that one. The, the Bridge Drag Commission has been disbanded, as you know. It's totally kaput and gone. And now the new plan is the governor has set up a new system whereby there's going to be a new bridge commission of which the Queen Anne County Commissioners right. have two members which they appoint themselves. Right. And, and that was... And then a public member, and so does Anna Rundle. So correct. this is a thing with it. It's going to have a little bit of muscle. Well, I was Senator Hershey's bill for the <coughs> yeah, formation of that, and that did pass. So, you know, that, that is a good thing. So yeah. we, we do have a little input on who's on there and what goes on. And I think within the last couple of days, I saw that they're now looking for applications or whatever it is, so we should be respectful of that. Right. Good. That's all I have. Like I said, you know... Uh, we're, you know, the sooner we open up some restaurants, you know, the better it is. And if you don't feel comfortable, don't being, go, don't go, stay home. stay home. I mean, you know, that's, you're staying home already. So, you know, I mean, I, I think that uh, I understand that. But, you know, I think it's time to switch modes. And the 95 percent of that aren't affected by this uh, need to go back to work and go back to their lives. And 5 percent or less that can be affected need to do what they've been doing since this started in March. And that's uh, taking care of themselves and who they come in contact with. So, you know, I, I hope the governor does move forward with uh, some of these recommendations because, uh, you know, time is of the essence now. So that, I'll take a motion to adjourn. Motion to adjourn. Second. All in favor? Aye. Thank you very much.